Hey, this is Alex. Some quick housekeeping to get to before we start the Friday the 13th special episode. You'll hear Mike and I talk several times about our big prize giveaway Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday with the big grand prize being given away on Friday. Uh, there's a problem, though. Since we recorded that episode, we have lost connectivity to our Instagram account. Micah assures me we'll be getting it back soon, but we'll be able to post those questions on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. But we're still going to do the contest. We have the prizes. We've gone to all the trouble. It's just uh, you won't get to win them or even try to win them until well after you've heard this episode and, unfortunately, after the Friday the 13th holiday. So hopefully by, I'm thinking Monday is what we're hoping, maybe Tuesday we'll be able to get back on Instagram. We can start posting those questions. So still listen closely because the questions we're going to post on Instagram are going to have everything to do with the episode you're about to listen to. And thank you so much for listening to this and happy Friday the 13th. Micah, you hear that? Like, like an echoey whisper saying, kill, 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 ma, ma, ma. No, it's like, <sighs> What the fuck? It's clearly saying, kill, 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 ma, ma, ma. Are you fucking deaf? It's saying, <sighs> Bro, the guy who made that sound for Friday the 13th is on record saying it's kill and ma. Just because they used it for that movie, that one movie, it doesn't mean that's how they always did it. Well, hey, wait. Do you hear that? I don't hear anything. Yeah, it stopped. Yeah. Yeah. It stopped! (laughs) Welcome to the show. This is our fucking Friday the 13th special uh friday 13th coming up on friday it is my favorite uh horror series it's it's my favorite collection of horror movies and so i talked to mike about it he said he was in i think it was actually my wife's idea she said you should do this uh and we're doing it and we're gonna have a lot of fun we got a lot of cool stuff planned what's up micah here we are friday the 13th special uh, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Wait, am I a guest this time, or are we just here? I don't together? think so. I mean, we've done it completely different already. Like, we didn't even mention that this is Slasher I Hardly Know Her, but I guess you know that if you're playing the podcast, right? I hope so. I mean, but if you don't, this is Slasher I Hardly Know Her. <laughs> and I noticed something about the first Friday the 13th. I was watching it, and, uh, you know, it's supposed to be a full moon on the night of the murders. Okay. And uh, so in May, we're about to have a Friday the 13th. It is not a full moon, but I think on the 15th is a full moon. And here's where it gets weird. Okay. When I looked closely at the moon in the shot near the end of the original Friday the 13th, it is not an actual total full moon. There's like a little corner that's missing, which makes me think that maybe it wasn't quite a full moon and that the full moon was actually a day or two later, which means maybe it all lines up. So you're saying we've made it full circle and this is this is where the shit really gets real. Yeah, I'm saying it's very likely this will be our last show because we're both going to be murdered on Friday the 13th. Well, speaking of murders, uh, you know, in the last several episodes and then you on Instagram, me on Twitter, we've been asking uh, our listeners to call in and tell us their favorite kills uh, from the series. And so we've picked, we, we usually do four segments. 
usually we break those up with commercials, but uh, we have some special stuff planned for this uh, to, to break up our segments. But each of those segments will cover uh, some of your favorite kills that you called in and told us about or wrote in and told us about. Uh, plus, Mike and I have our own you know favorite kills from the series, of course. Um, what else do we have, Micah? What else are we doing in this? Uh, we're going to have some interviews with some oh. folks who were actually part of the film Friday the 13th. Uh, tell me a little bit about this. This this was kind of cool. We've talked to quite a few people. Yeah, we talked to, uh, I would say the majority of the folks we talked to were from the original Friday the 13th. But I only say that because we interviewed three people that were in the original Friday the 13th. We interviewed someone from the uh, second installment, and then we interviewed uh, Derek Mears, who played Jason in the 2009 reboot. Uh, but this is this is fun, man. I mean, this was so much fun talking to these uh, former cast members and, you know, just about, you know, what a wild thing to be a part of, right? I mean, that was one of the, that's kind of the thing I approached all of them with was, you know, did you know that... Did you have any idea that that you were going to be a part of something that was going to become so iconic? And of course, you know, none of them said, "Yeah, absolutely." I mean, Derek Mears knew, of course. I mean, by that, by 2009, he knew what he was getting into. But everybody else, I mean, yeah, they were just like, "Wow, no." And then, you know, they go decades with, you know, having done other jobs and blah blah, and then boom, uh, now they're you know asked to come to all these conventions and they're getting to see all these fans in in person, of which there are you know millions. It's, it was really cool getting their take on the making of the movie and then kind of the aftermath. But that's not it. That's not, I mean, that's a pretty big reason to listen to this podcast. Well, I, you know, I don't want to screw the pooch, Alex, but is it too early for me to talk about prizes? Uh, it's never too early to talk about prizes, Micah. Just for listening to today's show, every listener will be getting a personal lap dance from Alex himself. <laughs> Just send us your address. He's going to drive to wherever you are. He might jump on a plane. He might take a helicopter or maybe even one of those weird airboats that they use on the swamps in, uh, in Louisiana. Just depends on where you live. He will come and he will rub his rump all over your bathing suit area just for listening to today's show. Man, speaking of swamps, I in preparation for this, I watched a few Friday 13th. And I watched part seven, which uh, is my favorite Jason makeup, but not my favorite uh, Friday movie. And one of the things I, you know, I've always said it, but it kind of reminded me one of the things I hate about seven, though I think it's a fine movie, is that Crystal Lake is in no way pristine. In part seven, Crystal Lake is a fucking swamp. Crystal Lake always looks like a thing, like you want to go skinny dipping in. Mm -hmm. And there's even a skinny dipping scene in seven. And I looked at my wife and I was like, you want to go skinny dipping in this fucking swamp? I mean, it was just <laughs> disgusting. I mean, like, I don't, well, that was one of the things gross. that always bothered me. I bet it's gross because they were driving around whole cruise ships in that lake. How they pulled that off, I don't know, but you know, you shouldn't drive a cruise ship around in a, uh, a pristine lake. You are, of course, talking about how Jason makes it to Manhattan, which is, uh, <laughs> it is a tough bit of logic to get around, for sure. Which, which isn't the same. I mean, eight's not one of my favorites. Jason Takes Manhattan is not one of my favorites, uh, but it's not bad. Like, I like that movie. I mean, I enjoy it. it. Maybe it was during that short-lived period in uh, Royal Caribbean's timeline when they had those amphibious cruise ships that could just go on sea and land. I remember yeah. seeing one drive through Main Street where I live. Yeah, those hovercraft, just like the airboats you were just talking about. <laughs> skim up on the land and jet on over to Manhattan from 
I think I, I think Crystal Lake. I don't know if they ever explicitly say it, but I think it's supposed to be in New Jersey. So we've danced around the prizes. Uh, we've made some bad jokes. Uh, most of the years, mine were great, um, but. We need to talk about what these prizes actually are. So this show is coming out on Wednesday. That's correct. What we're going to do every day from when this show comes out, leading up to the actual date, Friday the 13th, we'll be doing like trivia where we'll be uh, asking you uh, questions about what did you hear? Do you remember this part of the show? And if you sign up, if you let us know, send us a direct message, you will, in fact... Get a prize. If you get the right answer, we'll send it to you. Um, Alex, did I explain that right? (laughs) (laughs) Mike is only laughing because somehow our call dropped, and I didn't hear him explain the prizes at all. (laughs) So all I got was, Alex, did did I explain that right? Uh, I Uh, I got the top. I got got when you were saying every day from when it drops, we're going to ask a question on Instagram. Uh, yeah, so, you're smarter than me. Can you explain how this works exactly? Well, I don't know. I'm sure you did a great job, but this drops on Wednesday. So Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we're going to ask a question on Instagram about this show and then uh, about this episode. Mm-hmm. You answer that question. You can direct messages. You can uh, comment on Instagram. And we will take all of the people who got the correct answer. We'll draw their name out of a hat. You will win that day's prize. Wednesday's prize, Thursday's prize, Friday's prize. And then out of those three winners, we'll put you in a hat and then we'll pull your name out and you will win the grand prize, which will be a Friday the 13th themed slasher. I hardly know her grand prize. And yeah. and it's pretty cool. Like uh, I've, I've been thinking about it today. Like what it, what would I would I be stoked to get this in the mail? And the answer is, yes, I would. I would totally be stoked to get what the grand prize in the mail. Is this the biggest prize we've ever given out? Yeah, no question. It's the biggest prize we've ever given out. I mean, usually I think it might dwarf everything we've done. Uh, well, previously. we do a we do a mystery prize week to week, yeah. and then we've done some bigger prizes. Uh, I'd say this is the biggest prize, both cash value, but just kind of like opening the box value. I think this is the best. I mean, if I open this box and it was exactly as packaged as I will be packaging it, I'd be I'd be stoked to get this. Uh, so what it is is they get to star in the next Friday the Thirteenth. Mm. Is that is that the prize? I wish that was the prize because that would mean there was a Friday the Thirteenth in the making right now. And is it done? Is he just going to close down business forever? Or are we ever going to get another Friday the Thirteenth? Nah, there's too much money on the table. There, there's no way they'll stop making these. They just, you know, it's been in legal, you know purgatory forever between Cunningham and the guy who wrote it, whose name escapes me right now. I can't think of it. Victor Um, Miller. Yeah. Victor Miller. So like you said, uh, we did do interviews with, uh, cast members from the Friday the 13th series. And so we wanted to start with Adrian King. She was the original final girl. She is the one who made it through Friday the 13th, the original. So we asked her uh, while making that first Friday movie, as we said, did she have any idea that she was going to be part of a franchise that would survive generations, spawning millions of fans across the globe? Here's what she had to say. Not a clue. As a matter of fact, we kept on running out of money. This was a little low-budget, independent movie with a lot of passion. And it was like 
we got to get it. we got to get it. We would stop for a little bit and have to save up for another camera. That last shot in the movie, uh, well, not the absolute last shot, but the, the pow shot that makes people still to this day jump out of their seats. Uh, that took three separate takes, and we had to, each time we had to save up to add uh, three separate takes on three separate days. And there were two weeks in between while we saved money up to get the second camera. Film's very expensive, and then we needed a slow motion camera because uh, the director felt, had a vision of what he wanted and we weren't getting it. So uh, it, it, by the time we actually finished the shot, it was mid-October, and it's supposed to be summer, right? But you'll notice, and I know you you noticed that uh, the fall leaves were uh, were turning colors, and it was cold, and we had no money for a wetsuit. Uh, we, we had no stunt doubles. Uh, we did all our own stunts, and uh, I, I'll tell you, we didn't know. When I left that camp, we didn't know if we were even going to have a finished movie. You know, they had to do post, and then you have to find a distributor, and we had Paramount and Warner Brothers fighting over it. So it was pretty incredible. It was an amazing movie. Yeah. So Paramount had the, you know, opened it in the States as the biggest release ever on a horror movie, and it made history. It's a blockbuster, and it, it played all summer, and Warner Brothers had the world rights. And uh, actually, I didn't think I was going to be a star. I didn't think I was going to be an icon. I was just so happy as an actress to land a role. People say, how did you choose horror? I said, no, I was an actress. Horror chose me, you know, and I was so lucky. I, I mean, just so lucky to be in something that has survived this long. But I think it was almost one of those perfect storms. You know, we had uh, the music from Harry Manfredini, which was incredible, and Tom Savini's special effects, and the cast, Betsy Palmer, my gosh. And it was all cast off of Broadway because it was New York cast, so all the actors, Kevin Bacon was in the first one, you know. It was really one of those very, very, the director, of course, was you know, very good giving as a director and uh, allowed me to participate, which I found out after the fact, uh, in decisions. You don't really listen to young actors, but he listened and it, it really helped. It, uh, he, he made sure that every one of those characters were identifiable so that you cared when they were killed. <laughs> you know, it, it made a difference, and it does make a difference. Who needs to just see a slasher? Uh, you know, it's the story, and it's the mystery, and it's the scares, and it's it's all that excitement that goes with it, and uh, it, it's just a, a phenomenon. How cool was that? Dude, I mean, it's rad. I just watched the original yesterday and got to watch that <laughs> epic fight between Pamela Voorhees yeah. and uh, what was Adrian's character's name? I just lost it. Alice Hardy. This is the point where, again, we have been asking you guys for your favorite kills from the series, the entire series. Like, what was your favorite? And so James sent us a note, and his favorite kill comes from Friday the 13th, part two, where Mark, if you'll remember, in a wheelchair. Uh, He's a handsome fella. He was a handsome fella and uh and so likable. Like he was the nicest yeah. guy. He's yeah. he's wheeling around out outside looking for somebody because that's how everybody gets killed on Friday the 13th is they're always looking for someone uh that they cannot find. And then just he turns around, he gets a machete straight to the face and then his wheelchair backwards goes down 
I don't know what, 300 feet of stairs down to the <laughs> so lake, just stairs. bouncing and bouncing with this machete in his face. It was, it's, I'm telling you, had a viewer not, or a, a listener not sent it in, this would have made my crunchiest kill for the series. I that, love that one. Dude, that thunk sound <laughs> when the machete goes into his head is perfect. It wasn't overdone. It wasn't silly foley. Whoever did that, that guy needs a raise because that thunk was so believable when that thing just goes wham right into the front of his head. That was the perfect sound for that. Yeah, and you, I mean, I think you thought Mark was going to make it because he was in a wheelchair, right? I mean, like, I think you thought it's kind of like when there's a kid on screen. You're like, oh, well, they they wouldn't have the gall to kill a kid, but they took Mark out with, and they took him out. I mean, it's not just like machete in the, the head. It's like machete in the head. And then he rolls back, and his and his wheelchair never like falls over. It just bump, 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 bump. It just <laughs> keeps going down. The only thing that was a feat in and of itself that they got that wheelchair to roll yeah, down how, without falling over. You know, and it's probably one of those things where they actually did it first take, and it just worked. And they're like, "Shit, let's you know, let's go with it." But what did he do uh, anyway? What but, did Mark do? Why did Mark have to die? I can't remember. Did he drink? Did he take drugs? Did he have sex? I do believe he drank, but uh, I've noticed that. It doesn't necessarily, you know, like the the horror movie rules where we say don't drink, don't do drugs and all that. (coughs) Pardon me. I don't think it always really applies in Friday the 13th. Sometimes he's just Mm -hmm. coming to kill you. And we've talked about whether your intent was to do something. Uh, That seems to be an issue, too. Like if your intent is to drink or do drugs or have sex, it seems like Jason will still kill you. So I just had an idea for a Friday the 13th sequel. Okay, bring it. The uh, a Pamela Voorhees and the Reverend Father from Footloose team up. John Lithgow. Because they both hate. They both hate. Yes, John Lithgow okay. from Footloose. They both hate dancing and drinking and sex and drugs. And yeah, they go out together, I, killing all those kids for dancing and drinking. I think it's phenomenal. Plus, you get the crossover with Kevin Bacon. You can get him back in there. He was in. Oh, he I was hadn't in even one. thought about that. Footloose. That's right. Yeah, why not? Uh, yeah, Mark, Mark's death would have been, uh, it would have been my crunchiest kill of the series had somebody not picked it. There are only two issues I have with it. And that's that that kill ends with like a, a fade to white, like a flash white. That's how it ends. He Mm -hmm. kind of freezes and goes to it. And I don't love that. I would love to see him like flop over on the the beach or whatever. And then two, (laughs) the machete is, uh, chopped into his face backwards. It's not the Wait. Sh- it's not the sharp side of the machete. Uh, how did I miss that? It's bothered me for you. The dull side is what goes in. The dull side is what goes in. But I mean, you know, I mean, you hit somebody with the dull side of machete hard enough, I'm sure it would still go in their face, right? I, I guess you'd have to hit it really hard. But Jason, who knows? Jason is very strong. Jason is very strong. And James, thank you for sending that to us. Uh, that was a very strong one. I mean, obviously, you you took. You took my crunchiest kill, so I had to pick another one after we got your message. But I, I got a good one. I got a good one. But we're well holding, James. We're holding well on done. to ours. We're holding on to ours. All right. So when we get back, we're, we're first we're going to hear this amazing ad. When we come back, we've got more interviews with the cast of the Friday Thirteenth series. Of course, we have more of your favorite kills, my favorite kill, Micah's favorite kill, and then. Uh, don't forget about uh, you got to you got to pay attention to all this crap we're saying, all this stupid BS we talk about, because these are going to be the questions on Instagram this week. And you're going to want to win these prizes. You're going to want to win the little prizes, the little prizes that you just win day to day, Wednesday through Friday. 
those are good prizes. But then uh, you're thrown in that hat and you can win the grand prize, which is dope. I almost hope no one wins it. I'll keep it. <laughs> good luck. All right. We'll be right back. Oh, no. I wasn't supposed to say that. Yeah, don't ever say that, Alex. We'll be right here. Stay tuned. There's a lot of different things you can say. Yeah, okay. Stay tuned. Like I said, you're going to die this way. It's too late. It's already too late. I've yeah. already said it. <laughs> How come Arnold Schwarzenegger never died? He always said, I'll be back. I'll be back. Friday the 13th is a story of madness carried beyond its limit. It is a film that is not recommended for the very young or for people who are prone to nightmares. Friday the 13th. You may only see it once, but that will be enough. Friday the 13th. Rated R, under 17, not admitted without parent. Ah, welcome back to Slasher I Hardly Know. It's Friday the 13th Extravaganza. The Friday the 13th Jamboree with your host, Micah and Alex, the Slasher Brothers. <laughs> the Slasher Brothers, I like it. I like the it. The Brothers of Slash. Thank you listeners for tuning in. We're glad to have you. Um, let's talk about Friday the 13th. Uh, we've been talking to some of the Friday the 13th alums, some interviews with those folks about their experiences working on the franchise. Uh, most of them said they had no idea it was going to be so big, uh, and then later they would find out they were part of, part of something that would become a cultural phenomenon for decades. Uh, we spoke to Amy Still, Friday's second final yes. girl, famously able to stay alive by tricking Jason into thinking she was his mother. Yeah, she we, she, put, she puts on the sweater. Yeah, she puts on the sweater, and she starts talking talking to him like she's because she's like a she's like a. Some kind of therapist student, right? She's some I think of... if she had really been dedicated, she would have just taken his mother's head and somehow squished it over hers and then done it. Well, I think I think that that would have been tougher to pull off. She had time to put on the sweater, man. She was out in that Maybe. shack. You know, She could just hold it in front of her face or bite Pamela's hair from the back. But then again, it's a corpse, <laughs> so the hair would probably fall out, so it may not stay up there. That <laughs> I want to see that remake <laughs> where she bites the head from back and to hold it into her mouth and pretend to be the mom. I that'd be pretty sweet. Uh, Jason figures it out though. I mean, I, I guess he's not a, a, as dumb as he looks. Um, so not to say Jason looks dumb because who can tell? Uh, he has a mask on. Anyway, so uh, yeah, we we asked her, did she have a clue? Uh, whether this was going to be, you know, such a huge, huge part of, a, of, of the history of movies and horror. I don't think those were my thoughts at the time. What were your thoughts at the time? I was young, and I'm an actor, so I was like, wow, okay, here's an opportunity. I'll go to the audition. Part one had already come out. So um, it was sort of like, well, I don't really want to be, I didn't want to be typecast as a horror right. film person. So um, I said, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But then I went to the audition, and everyone seemed kind of cool, and then you get the role, and it's like, well, wait, I'm an actor. You know, like, let me, and it was a great role. So, um, yeah, I'm going to do my job. I'm going to work my craft. At the time, I can't say I was aware 
of what it would be and what it was, what it was and what was going to happen. I had no idea. No idea. First of all, I wouldn't have turned down part three. <laughs> because out of everything I've done, this ha seems to grow in passion each year. You know, it doesn't go away. It just keeps building on itself and building on itself. It has its, it has its own momentum. In the day, that was, I wanted a steel magnolia roll. I wanted, you know, 16 candles. I wanted, oh, they're kind of big, but, um, you know, John Hughes stuff. And, you know, I ended up here and I don't know. I think I have a lot more passionate fans than maybe John Hughes people. So I don't know. Was that not cool? Uh, Amy Steele. I'm not, you know, when I interviewed Amy Steele for this, I had my wife with me and my wife got to see me completely fanboy out because I had a huge crush on Amy Steele because not only is she in this that I loved, she's also the final girl in, if you can say this movie has one, in April Fool's Day. And yeah. like, I was just crazy about her. And so like meeting her in person, it it was incredible. And she was just as like, you know, smart and funny as you would have thought uh, that she was, you know, after seeing these movies. And she's she is smart as hell. Uh, that's why I thought it was interesting that in in the first one, I think she's some kind of student to become a therapist. And in real life, she is now a psychotherapist. That's what she does for a living. No kidding. Okay, yeah. so when you say you fanboyed out really hard, uh, just how nervous were you? How silly did you act? Did you stumble over your words? Were you like, oh, uh, hi, hi. I mean, my my name's. No, it wasn't as it wasn't as star as starstruck as I was when I met Barney Five. When I met Don Knotts, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I know that's stupid. I've met a ton. That's not stupid. I love Don. Knotts. I've met a ton of famous people uh, through work and stuff. And, you know, I'm always able to just keep it professional and be like, you know, hey, what's going on? When I met Don Knotts, I couldn't get words out of my mouth. I'm a huge Andy Griffith fan. I couldn't get the words out of my mouth. And, and I've told you a story, I'm sure. But all I could say once I got up to talk to him, because I was standing in line, you know, this wasn't for work. I was just meeting him. And I was standing in line <laughs> and I couldn't come up with anything to say. And so I just handed him the picture that they gave they gave you to you know have him sign, and I said, "I love you." <laughs> That's all I could come up with. And uh, he looked back and he said, "I love you too." It was oh great. my god, that's yeah. amazing! Yeah. You can say that Don Knotts said he loved you. Yeah, the that story I think is funny and it's sweet and everything. The rest of the story is not so sweet. We then waited, <laughs> me and my friends then waited in the parking lot until the end of the signing. He had shown up in a limo so that we could follow his limo back to the hotel where he was staying, so we could figure out where he's staying. And then the plan was he was old, so he would move slow. And we would be able to jump out of the car and run into the hotel first so that we could be like, oh, what a coincidence. We're staying here, too. And then I could buy him a drink at the hotel bar. I wanted to have a sit and have a drink with Barney Five. Also, realize at this time, Don Knotts was like 178. I mean, he was <laughs> he was the oldest I mean, man you've ever seen in your life in person uh, writing with a pen. 
And that was our plan. Uh, and the uh, limo driver, I think, caught on to us. Maybe this was a thing that happened in the past. I don't know. And he was able to shake us, man. He was taking turns and going fast. At, you know, when the light would turn red, he'd zoom through it. And, yeah, so I, I didn't. So you just gave old Don Knotts a heart attack. His driver's like, we've got a tail. They've got to swerve to get away from you. And, yeah. and what was the plan? What, what did you think you were going to drink with 200-year-old Don Knotts? Just going to sit Whatever down and he have wanted. a Werther's and some warm milk? Whatever he wanted. I'd be like, oh, my God, what coincidence? Hey, you want to sit down and have a drink? Let me get you a drink. That was my whole, like, 21-year-old man plan uh, when I met you him. and Don sharing a Metamucil together. It was going to be it was going to be blast. <laughs> we, was, we were going to order oatmeal. We were going to you know talk about how regular we are. And uh, then like insurance stuff, but yeah, it didn't work. So I usually don't tell the second part of that story. I usually just uh, stick with the first part story. where we tell that's each other. A great story. <laughs> I love Don Knotts. That I mean, that guy was like a, a pivotal part of my childhood. I yeah. watched the the Andy Griffith show so much. Oh, I watch it literally every day of my life when I get work, get ready for work. I mean, I I love that show. But that said. When I met Amy Steele, I was a little starstruck. I mean, I had a crush on her like crazy when I was a little boy. More from April Fool's Day than uh, Friday 13th Part 2 because I think I saw April Fool's Day well before I saw Friday the 13th Part 2. And and I love that movie. Like, I absolutely love that movie. And I am, of course, talking about the original, not the remake, which is literal trash. I mean, it is just absolutely a garbage movie. Um I mean, it's not even like the first one. It's not even the same movie. It just has the same title. Um, and uh, I was just, man, I was crazy about her. I mean, like, I, I thought, I mean, I thought she was it. She was the final girl in in my eyes. So when I met her, it was, yeah, I was a little starstruck. And so, yeah, and, and my wife got to see every bit of it. Mm, that's so sweet. Mm-hmm. All right, back to business. Let's do some business. We got to talk about somebody else's favorite kill. Yeah, and it's one of your favorite people, Jacoby, aka Where's the Horror Section, who's actually been on the show with us before when yep. we talked about what the hell was that movie? Hobo called? with a shotgun. Welcome to fuck town. <laughs> yes, Hobo with a shotgun. That that was the one. Ew, that's we a need, lot of blood. you know, we need to revamp the open of this show with clips from the show, you know, that just like little audio sound bites that we throw in. So we can still have the same music and stuff, but we'll throw in things like you going, welcome to fuck town. And <laughs> that's my favorite line from the movie. Uh, oh, and Jacoby, wherever you are, I started watching the greasy strangler. Uh, it's like a fucked up Napoleon dynamite. So I- I'm watching it in sessions, but I will, I will finish that movie. Um, and you know, it's, favorite you kill, know, it's a good movie. When you have to go at it three or four times before you can get to the end. I thought I'd turn it on and immediately turn it off, but I'm like, this is so absurd, I'm going to keep watching it. So, you know, maybe I'll force you to watch The Greasy Strangler at some point, Alex. Uh, Let's get to Jacoby's favorite kill here. It is. Oh, you know what? We're having another favorite kill stolen. Oh, really? This was going to be yours? I really enjoy this. I thought it looked great. You know, the color was a little off, but uh, Kevin Bacon gets it through the neck from under the bed with an arrow through the throat. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, it's uh, that's that's a classic one. It made that looked great. That I, looked fantastic. I think it made Tom Savini. I mean, I think that people saw that and thought, "Holy shit!" 
uh, this guy can, this guy can, I mean, it looked great. This guy can make it look real. I also love that it wasn't a knife. It wasn't a machete. I mean, a machete would have made no sense because Jason was hiding underneath the bed. So you wouldn't, you know, leverage wise, that would suck. But of course, I guess an arrow doesn't make a whole lot more sense. It's about the size of a machete. Um, but I love it. I'm a huge fan of Tom Savini and his work. Mm-hmm. But after watching Friday the 13th, there I do have a problem with it. I got a major complaint. Okay. You got any idea what I'm going to say? Well, it's got to, I guess it's going to have to do with the blood. because It's that... going to have to do with the snake. Oh, what snake? In which the one? Sna- okay. All right. So the very first Friday the 13th. Three's got a uh, snake in it. This is where they're in a cabin. April Fool's Day remember. has a snake in it. Oh, Anaconda so, had some snakes. Anaconda had snakes out there this big. Do you remember uh, that? What was that other that movie the that had some line. snakes? There, there was something about a plane. Oh, that's cute. Oh, I can't remember. Snakes uh, anyway. on a plane. I bought snakes on the plane. Oh, that's what it's called. Snakes on a plane. Yeah, I bought that last week. Did you get VHS or digital video disc? I, would it have been out on VHS? Probably. No, I don't know. No, uh, no it's a digital, a digital video disc. Uh, AKA DVD. Yeah. All right. So go on. I'm sorry. Talk about the snake. Uh, I think it's just like a black snake or something like that. I, I, can't, I couldn't see oh, it enough. I know and exactly what cabin. you're going to say. Yeah. Somebody comes in with a machete and they chop this snake, which is obviously a real snake, yeah. which they obviously really killed yeah. for a movie. And that... That fucking pisses me off. Okay, that, just, that is true. I know this. It was a real snake. They did kill it. Uh, I'm, and I heard it was Tom's idea. Oh, I don't know. I, I'm not Who sure knows if that's that. true? That could be hearsay. But uh, if it is true, Tom. And yeah. my guess <laughs> is that it probably wasn't a poisonous snake. Uh, no, it was a harmless little snake. It looked like maybe a king snake yeah, or a little black did. snake. Looked like it was all black. It did look like a king snake. Yeah, I forgot about that. They do chop it in half, and in, and it is real. They do kill a snake for that scene, so that sucks. Yeah, that does suck. Yeah. Although yeah, that, that said, I fucking hate snakes. I just don't think they need to be killed unless they're posing some threat. See, I grew up. We would like pick up king snakes. Like they just come up. We garden snakes, little ring necks. We would just pick them up and play with them. They wouldn't bite us. We wouldn't harm them, and then we'd send them on their merry way. Yeah, you. Well, I mean, I grew up in a similar area as you. When when I was a kid, we used to throw up on king snakes because we were so freaked out by the creepy ass fucking way they moved. I <laughs> I can't fucking stand snakes. I'm not scared of snakes at all. You know, grew up in the south. Had to get snakes out of chicken houses and do all that crap when I was a kid. But, man, I don't fucking like the way they move. I mean, snakes just need to go somewhere else. I appreciate that what was, they do. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That was my, my, my complaint about, uh, what was that other movie where they killed a real animal? Hey, cannibal Holocaust. I'm never going to watch it. I don't it. care about all the it. grotesque, you know, all the cannibals. That's all great. Go for it. But they actually kill this big, beautiful yeah. turtle. I don't know if yeah. it's a sea turtle or what, but come on. I will never watch that movie because of that scene. Absolutely. I, I, I will never watch that movie. Um, I totally forgot about the snake in Friday. I did too until you just said it. I got it, but... re-mad about it. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the kill. Let's let's bring you down uh, from your soapbox and at the same time use your soapbox to step off of your high horse and then off of your soapbox and we'll talk about this kill. Um, it was great. It looked Am I fantastic. Too for a <laughs> podcast because I'm pissed off about that. Well, you know, it was thirty some odd years ago. So no, oh god, it was 
40 some odd years ago now at this point, right? About 40 years. When did it, when yeah, did, yeah, 1980. 1980, so 42 yeah, years Yeah, because I think part two came out within a year or later, like 80 was part one, 81 uh-huh. was part two. So you're, you're basically, if, if people were mad in 1980 about something uh, that you're as mad about 40 years later, in 1980, they'd be like, man, that Al Capone was a real son of a bitch, right? That's sure. Well, I, listen, I'm not saying if I see Tom today that I'm going to hack him up with a machete, but if it does turn <laughs> out to be true and I see him, it will get him a, a swift kick to the nuts. Oh, uh, no. I'm and sure. I'll be like, that's for the snake, Tom. I'll bet you money that, you know, he was young. He was just trying to get through it. And uh, this was his his way to move on to the next thing. And, you know, I don't agree with it either, but the kill itself is amazing. There's a very similar kill in uh, that he did in the burning uh, with hedge clippers, and it does not look nearly as good as this one does. I mean, like this really looks like Kevin Bacon laying there, it going through his throat. It doesn't look like is a this weird like client. The, the one from uh, uh, the burning. You talking about like the slow approach with the clippers, and then the heads on top of the clippers? Or is that a different movie? Uh, this is when. I mean, if it's Clippers, it's probably the burning. That's what he used in it. Uh, but this is when the guy, if I remember correctly, the guy is like laying on the ground with his head kind of propped up against a boat or a raft or whatever. And he goes in through the, you know, above the sternum with it. And it looks okay. But then because the way the guy moves or whatever, you can tell that it's not his body. It's an appliance and stuff. That was not the case, in my opinion, with the Kevin Bacon kill that Jacoby has put in here. It looked so good. I mean, it was it it just looked really solid and the blood looked great. Famously, it went wrong. Uh, The tube came out of the little air thing that was supposed to shoot the blood. And so the other effects guy that's helping him grabs the tube, puts it in his mouth and blows and he blows too hard. So the blood like shoots out. It wasn't supposed to do that. It was supposed to come out a little bit more realistically, but it looks great. And so now that's how Tom Savini from that point on did blood effects. They all shot out and stuff because it looks so good. Um, But it, I mean, it looks, it looks fantastic. It is scary. It is inventive. Uh, It's a good, definitely a good uh, best kill uh, with or crunchiest kill from Jacoby. So props to him for for giving us this one. Excellent choice, sir. Mm-hmm. Excellent All choice. All right, should we pitch to break and come back and talk some more about Friday the 13th? We've got a lot to cover. We're going to get into the nitty-gritty, the different movies, the different kills. There's a lot to come. And I hope you're taking notes, kids, because who knows what that question is going to be about that's going to win you that big grand prize it's grand it's i mean i would even say it's grande it's so fancy it 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 deserves the a all right stay with us folks we're back after the break can you say we're back uh i mean i really you just gotta strike that from your vocabulary any kind of we'll be back we'll be right back i'll be back you just gotta you know stay tuned we'll be right here or uh more show in a minute i i don't know it's like you want to die alex 
There's no need to fear the number 13 any longer because Paramount is slashing prices on 13 scary motion picture hits. At only $19.95 each, no one will be able to resist the sharp savings on some of their worst fears. Okay, you big hunk of a man, come and get me. Everyone's just dying for Jason. And now his latest stab at terror has been slashed to just $19.95. Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood. Plus, customers can scream again and again with the entire Friday the 13th Never Say Die collection. I hardly know her. The Friday the 13th Spectacular. Friday the 13th is coming up uh, in just three days from when this is going to drop on Wednesday. We're giving away prizes every one of those days. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. You listen to our show. You uh, will ask you a question on Instagram. Each of those days, from the right answers, we will pick a winner each of the days, give away three prizes, and then on Friday... We will take the three winners, toss them in a hat, mix them all around. Actually, we'll put them in the wheel of death. We'll have Michael, Micah, of death. put them in the wheel of death, and then he will spin and squeak. Yeah, just like that. He's doing it live. Uh, and we'll pick your name out for the grand prize, and we'll send it to you free of charge. It'll be pretty dope. Prizes, generally, free of charge. Uh, so we've been talking about the Friday movies. We've been getting through your favorite kills, your crunchiest kills of the uh, whole series, not just one or two. Uh, we've we've listened to a lot of messages. We've received a lot of messages. We picked uh, one for each of the segments. Uh, we've done Kevin Bacon getting the arrow through the throat, which really it was kind of a throat sternum area. It was that area between the throat sternum. What's that called? That little soft thing? You know, don't you, Micah? Waddle? Yeah, right through the but old that, waddle. The waddle's more like up here, oh. like right under your, your chin there. I, I guess it would have been, I don't know what you call it. Yeah, that right there. That's soft spot. Above the sternum. What do you call that? Uh, for you guys at home, this is the first out of 20, I think this is our 23rd episode or something like that. It's the first time Micah and I have decided to do video so we can see each other. Oh, you it's do going this. through his neck. It's uh-huh. going through his trachea. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if there's another name for that area. Let's call it his waddle. <laughs> I mean, I waddle. Like, like I like waddle. The, Let's go with that's waddle. That's the fat. You want to call it waddle? No, uh, it's like uh, I don't care. All right. So anyway, we'll we, talk about waddles. We'll talk about vaginas uh-huh. and weenuses. Okay. Let's. We'll get to that. That's segment four. Uh, what was our first? Oh, you're God. not gonna want to miss God. the vagina segment. Can I miss the vagina segment, please? Can, can that be something that I opt out of? Uh, yeah, and then first kill uh, came to us from one of you guys, and it was uh, from part two, yeah, where Mark gets it in, yeah, in the face. But whatever the case, this one, as you said, comes from uh, Jason X, and I bet everybody listening knows what this one is. It comes from Barton. 
If you say best kill in Jason X, I think everybody's mind goes to the exact same kill. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. Barton, you picked a classic, which is Adrian the scientist gets the old face in the liquid nitrogen. Her face freezes. Jason pulls it out and smashes it on the counter. It it's is, a good one. It is a good one. But Barton, yes, you picked an excellent kill. I mean, no matter how you feel about Jason X, maybe it's ridiculous. Maybe it's dumb that they sent Jason to space, but that is a good kill. You know, Jason X was only made because they couldn't get Freddy vs. Jason made soon enough. They, yeah. They uh, yeah. kept trying to get it done, and they just couldn't get it all together. And so Cunningham said, you get it? by we we either have this solidified and we're making Freddy versus Jason by this date or I'm making another movie and so they made Jason X because I mean man every time a Jason movie a Friday 13th movie is not made that's money laying on the table it's just sitting there ready to Millions. be taken and mm -hmm. uh Jason X I mean come on man it's got to be it's arguably my least favorite of the franchise but there's some really cool things in it, like this liquid nitrogen kill. But I do have to ask you, why is there a sink full of liquid nitrogen? Come on, we gotta ask that. Is oh, that the, the answer is easy, Alex. Oh, sure. Just in case. Just in case, okay. <laughs> but I mean, it seems to me like a, a spaceship that's moving around and all this. You probably wouldn't have a sink full of liquid nitrogen. But if that's the thing I'm gonna take, uh, have a problem with in this movie, then I have my own problems because there's a lot going on in this movie. Uh, but that was, I mean, that's a fan favorite, man. Especially because once he, he smashes her frozen face, he yeah. then pulls her back up. And you can see, like, you know, the missing face because it's shattered. It, mm -hmm. look, it looks phenomenal. It's wildly violent. It looks great. They film it really well. I, I mean, there's no question why this made one of the crunchiest kills for one of our fans and our listeners, uh... Who was it? Barton. Barton, thank you for sending that one in. You know, one, you, of, one of my favorite kills from the series comes from Jason X, and it's an homage to another one, uh, the old sleeping bag uh, death, where he drags her out of the sleeping bag. Yeah, yeah. And uh, You're talking about when it when he hits it against the tree? Yeah, picks her up in the sleeping bag and slams her into the tree, uh, famously cut by the... Uh, Motion Picture Association of America because it was too violent. And if they originally Kane Hodder was supposed to uh, like slam her into the tree several times over and over and over, that was too violent. And so they just went with the one hit, which is still great. It looks wonderful. It's one of Kane Hodder's favorites famously from the series. But in Jason X, they put him to like give themselves some time and distract Jason they uh, put him in the holodeck, which I think is what they called it on Star Trek. It was like, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Like they can make yeah, a, yeah, totally. a whole, like uh -huh. it's like the danger room from X-Men. Um, yeah. VR. Yeah. And so that's going to fool Jason. And so it's, it's these two, you know, like hot female campers doing everything wrong. They're drinking and doing drugs and they're naked and they're giggling. And so, of course, he has to go kill them. So they claw, they crawl into their sleeping bags. And so he's beating both of them. It's the double thing. He's beating both of them in their sleeping bags up against the tree. And they just keep giggling and screaming and uh, because they're uh -huh. not real. And that's one of my favorite kills because it was so stupid and it was an homage to one of the best kills of the series, which, by the way, no one sent in the sleeping bag kill. 
I think it's nice that they finally got to, you know, beat some sleeping bags uh, and just beat those people to death like they didn't get to do because of the ratings board. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was nice that they got to have that that pummeling. He just beats them like mm-hmm. erasers against a chalkboard. I think that's from Seven. I believe that's Seven where she gets... Well, because that is Kane Hodder's first uh, Friday and yeah. and it's one of his favorite kills. So that's definitely Seven where... She gets beaten with the uh, in in the sleeping bag. The thing that bothered me was he grabs her, he's swinging her by the head, and not the feet. So you yeah. you'd want her head. I don't know. This is a pretty morbid conversation to be having. He beat her feet up. Or a few minutes ago, you were talking about how they you know they just had to go ahead and wanted to crank out another Jason movie because they didn't know if Freddy versus Jason was going to happen. And you talked about, yeah, they got to do that. Otherwise they're leaving money on the table, mm-hmm. which made me wonder how much has the Friday, the 13th franchise made all together. And if Wikipedia knows what they're talking about, it looks like $468 million. Wow. I mean, that's a lot of money. And you know, Freddy versus Jason, at least at the time was the highest grossing horror movie of all time. I mean, it was, there were some underperforming uh, entries into the Friday franchise, but uh, come on, man, that's a lot of money. Think how many more movies were made because of these movies and the money they made. Yeah, and I wonder I wonder how many more Friday the 13th movies we'll get. Will they just keep going on into eternity? Are they that much a part of, you know, uh, whatever the, the fun, profound phrase I'm looking for is? I think we're part of, I, I mean, I think we're in this this part now where there, even if one could be made, I think it, there would be a lot of discussion about how it gets made. Like, is it a continuation of 2009? Do we reboot again? Or do we go back and, and build on Freddy versus Jason? Because not that I'm saying you would do another Freddy versus Jason. That would be very difficult to do at this point. You know, Roger, uh, Robert England is, he's getting up there, you know, mm-hmm, uh, he's, mm-hmm. he's probably not going to play Freddy in a movie again. Uh, fans famously hated when he didn't and they replaced him for that nightmare reboot. And so you, I, I don't think you could build from that in a Freddy versus Jason scenario, but Freddy versus Jason is canon, I would say to the originals. And so do you go for the sequel to that? Do you do a prequel? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I what I do know is it doesn't matter. It would make money. And fans would bitch and moan about it because every single time. In fact, if you head on over to uh, getslash.com, folks, uh, our first article that we posted on the page is talking about just this thing, uh, Freddy versus Jason in particular. But, man, people fans horror fans clamor and they're like oh please please you got to make a new one you got to make a new one please give us more and then as soon as the new one gets made all they do is bitch and moan and say oh it's it's not enough like the original it's too much of a departure this thing was stupid right they just gripe about the new one it's like when you go to a concert and you know you go to see Aerosmith or the Rolling Stones and then they come to the mic and they go this one's from the new album and then everybody's like, "Oh crap!" They just they just want to hear "Paint It Black" again. But if they do make another Friday, I would love to see it not have the Rob Zombie effect of mm. let's make it that you know extreme close-ups and really gritty and dark. I want to see happy teenagers 
that we can relate to, hanging out at a lake, and then shit hits the fan. I, I don't need the gruesome, let's see how dark we can make it. It's like they've done with superhero movies, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, we're, we're going to do Joker, but we're going to make it gritty and real. Mm-hmm. I mean, which... Hey, that movie definitely has merit, obviously. Joaquin took away the Oscar for that, but I would like to see it's something more akin to the original in the tone. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I think they could, I, I think the the companies, the studios, could take a, a lesson, really, from these fan films that are going and getting made. These Friday fan th- films that are coming out right now, fan films 20 years ago were fun to watch and they were terrible. Now you look up Friday fan film, you're getting amazing directors doing amazing stories that, yeah, aren't canon or are this or that, but, and, and you got to love the passion because they're doing it for free. They can't make a dime off of it. Right. And they're putting all this production value in it and, you know, never hike alone. And just some of these there, I mean, there are some really, really good Friday the 13th fan films out there. I would encourage you guys to look them up. In fact, I'll, I'll throw this up for, I'll, I'll write a quick article running down some of uh, the best Friday the 13th fan films that you can watch. Because, you know, it's not just fans that are making them. It's fans that are filmmakers that are making them. And, mm-hmm. man, they are they are fun to watch. They are good. And I think if the studios looked at that, they'd be like, oh, wow, we're overthinking this. We could just do yeah. this, you know? Get back to the formula. It works. Absolutely, it works. All right, well, speaking of kills... Uh, Robbie Morgan, we talked about her a little earlier. Uh, she is from Friday 13th Part 1. She sat down with us specifically to discuss what went into her big kill in the first Friday the 13th. Take a listen. It was so low budget, you know, that we really did that death scene once because we were losing the life. And at the time, the blood kind of stained, you know, so we really didn't have time to go shower and put it all on again and do it again. So it was one time. And then I jumped on Tom Savini's scooter in the woods. And he got me to like one of the cabins to jump in the shower so that the blood didn't stain. <laughs> so it was fun. It was such a great group and fun. And yeah, it was so much fun. And, and even running through the woods, you know, Sean was right behind me directing, you know, now fall. Now your leg, you hurt your leg. Remember you hurt. So it was so in the moment. I'm so thrilled to be a part of horror history. <laughs> who would ever think, who would have ever thought? What a privilege and an honor to be a part of the Friday the 13th series and uh, have it a ball. And just like all the rest, Robbie Morgan says, she had no idea this was going to be as big as it was. Oh, no idea at all. No idea. As a matter of fact, when I auditioned for it, I was um, auditioning for something else at the time. And Julie Hughes, the casting director, went, you know, you're not quite right for this. But down the hall, they're casting a movie for counselors and you'd be perfect. So I was like, okay. So I went down the hall and gosh, that day, I don't even think I met with anybody. And when I met with Sean, there was nothing written. And we actually had the, the callback at the Minskoff Theater, where they were seeing, you know, just everybody for these counselors. Here I am, I'm an actress, you know, I have an audition. I show up. At the time, on my callback, I was an, I was an acrobat. 
So I, was, I said to Sean Cunningham, I was like, oh, you gotta watch this, you know. So I was like tumbling for him in the, in the room and I was like a, I was like a hummingbird, you know, just there wasn't anything for me to really read. I think they wrote Annie a little bit of a bigger part than initially that he had planned. And so it was a job. You know, I was an actress and it was a job and we had sort of just no idea that, you know, what it was gonna be, you know? It was a very, very low budget movie shot in New Jersey. So that was Robbie Morgan talking about uh, her little bout. Uh, she barely had a role. You know, she was the counselor, if you'll remember, in Friday the 13th and never actually made it to the camp. Cool to hear about her uh, working with Tom Savini and how that all worked and stuff. Uh, there were some great kills in that movie, and, and hers was definitely one of them. So I certainly appreciate Robbie Morgan taking the time to sit down with us and do that. All right, Micah, we still have lots and lots to do. I think this would be a good opportunity in this break to listen to one of Friday the 13th's. We're some of their biggest fans, right? And those people listening to this are some of the biggest fans. I think this would be a good opportunity to listen to uh, some of their biggest detractors, uh, Siskel and Ebert. The No love from Siskel and Ebert, man. And, you know, they loved Halloween, or at least I think it was maybe Gene Siskel. I can't remember if they both liked it or if they both hated it, but I remember one of them talking about Halloween. They loved Halloween, but damn. Gene Siskel no was the skinny one, right? Gene Siskel's the skinny one. I and mean, yeah. Roger Ebert is the one who absolutely hates Friday the 13th. He hates it. You uh, brought it up to me, and I believe you are correct in doing so, that he... In his like print review of, I think it was the it was the first Friday the Thirteenth, he gives out the studio head's address, and then the 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 like the town that Betsy Palmer, who played Jason's mom, lives in, and tells people to address mail to Betsy Palmer via that town, and just hopes that the uh, the mail will get to her because he wants people to voice how much how awful this movie is and what a horrible thing this movie is. And he never let up through the entire series. I don't, I mean, obviously because of his hatred for it, the producers were like, yeah, we got, you know, every time a Friday 13th movie comes out, we got to let Ebert go. But I mean, uh, God, I think it was Siskel. I think it was Siskel who gave out the address. Was it Siskel? Well, they both yeah. hated it. It was Ebert though, that I remember specifically having just, I mean, he was like, this pile of garbage trash. You know I mean? It, like, it's, it was as mad as you could ever see a movie reviewer. Yeah, moral outrage. Moral outrage. So I thought this in, during this break, we'd play a little bit of that. Some women show their bottoms, others show their breasts. That's about all the character development we get. Our next movie is Friday the 13th, the final chapter, an immoral and reprehensible piece of trash that sold more tickets on its opening weekend than any other movie so far in 1984. And that is a very, very depressing commentary. It really makes me sad to think of all those moviegoers spending four and a half, five bucks, most of them teenage kids, sitting there watching this sad, cynical, depressing movie. Now, needless to say, Paramount Studios, the distributor of this film, didn't authorize any clips of the film for use on television. They like to make the money, but maybe they're a little bit ashamed of the movie. They like to hide it from critics like ourselves. But here are some scenes from the coming attractions trailer showing that the fourth Friday the 13th movie is just a cynical retread of the first three. Yeah, real great. Uh, Jason, you can't hear him, you can't see him, he hardly even breathes. He's the latest word in leading men from the geniuses at Paramount Pictures. You get the idea. 
Friday the 13th, the final chapter, is 90 minutes of teenagers being strangled, stabbed, impaled, chopped up, and mutilated. That's all this movie is, is just mindless, bloody violence. And just think of the message this film offers to its teenage audience. The world is a totally evil place, this movie says. It'll kill you. It doesn't matter what your dreams and hopes and ambitions are. It doesn't matter if you have a new boyfriend or a new girlfriend or you've got plans for the future. You can forget those plans because you're going to wind up dead. There is literally nothing else in this movie. And the sickest thing is, this isn't the final chapter. That's just an advertising gimmick. The ending clearly sets up a sequel. And what I want to know is, I wonder if they're going to be heartless and cynical enough to make the sequel, because why not? They've already taken the bucket to the cesspool four times for this sludge. I think the people who made this, who made this movie ought to be ashamed of themselves, and that's what I think. Time to come back to the show. We just heard Siskel and Ebert just pissing and moaning like a couple of grandpas about what the kids are up to making movies these days. It's just, it's a shameful act. The blood. Oh, the murder. They're degenerates out there. They make a movie that we all know and love. And when you really think about it, and I know some people who review movies for like newspapers and like websites and stuff, and I, don't you assume you get into the the reviewing game because you love movies, and then as soon as you're a reviewer, all you do is shit on them? Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, why can't you like a horror movie? Why can't you appreciate, you know, what it is, right? I mean, why does horror uh, always get shit on? I think a lot of movie critics, especially the pretentious ones, don't even give their honest appraisal mm-hmm. of movies. They give the appraisal that they think they are expected to give mm-hmm. and they have some illusory yardstick that they're measuring movies by that has no reflection on how people actually feel about these movies. Uh, it, it doesn't make sense. Critics, uh, in the words of Adam Sandler's uh, little character, Big Daddy, are cynical assholes. Uh, how'd you get into Friday the 13th? Like, what do you remember your initiation into Friday the 13th? I know you're not as big a Friday the 13th guy as I am, but you know, you do you remember your first? Like foray? Ooh, you know, I think I knew about Jason just from popular culture more than I did about yeah. the movies. I wouldn't see the movies until years, years later, and uh, I, I didn't go like through one uh, and t- up to the reboot. It's just been kind of a scattershot, you know, viewing. I don't even know if I've seen all of the Friday the 13th. I am not nearly as initiated as you. Thank you for exposing me. <laughs> I'm a fraud. It's got to be a better way to better way to say that sentence. Uh, Co-host of a Friday the Thirteenth special, and I may or may not have seen all of the Friday the Thirteenth. Oh, I bet you've probably seen them all at some point. I mean, you know, just in being at people's houses and things like that. I remember how I got into it. I mean, like I'll never forget it. I mean, it's why I'm such a huge fan. And I don't remember the marathon. I could probably research the shows and figure out what it was, but it was like a. It was a USA Friday the 13th marathon on Friday the 13th. So I want to say it was probably Rhonda Shear hosting it. It could have been Commander USA, but I feel like it was Rhonda Shear, but I don't know. Could have been Gilbert Godfrey. I, I, I'm not sure. God rest his soul. You know, he did host those USA uh, marathons as well, just like Rhonda Shear did. So it could have been him. 
Um, I feel like it was Ron Shear, but I don't know. And I know it was on Friday the 13th. I had never been allowed to watch those movies. I was not allowed to watch Jason movies. And then all of a sudden, there they were on basic cable. And, you know, my parents had no idea what I was doing for the, you know, at 10 p.m. at night. And they were just showing them back to back to back. And I believe the first one I saw was Jason Takes Manhattan. I think that was the first one I saw because I can remember him, you know, being resurrected from the bottom of the lake in his chains. And I mean, I don't know what it was. I mean, I was I was fucking in. I mean, you've you've been to my theater room at my house. There's just Jason crap everywhere. I mean, yeah. I I love Friday the Thirteenth, and that there I, is a shrine, a shrine to Jason. It's not a shrine, but you're the. It's second, illuminated too. You, it's you, like got its own lights. You're the second <laughs> person who's referred to it as a shrine. I I have an encased hockey mask that was autographed by uh, Derek Mears uh, when I met oh, him. Oh, you know what you need to add to your collection? You need a Pamela Voorhees decapitated head. I uh, I mean, a decapitated head in your theater room—that's a little out there. You know, I went to Mopop in I'm Seattle, just kidding. Washington. I've been uh, I've been looking for this exact thing for quite some really? time now. They have the head of Pamela Voorhees at Mopop, the museum in Seattle, and I got oh, really? to see it last summer. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's right. You got sent me pictures. You sent me pictures. That was so cool. That was very cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, if I get, I, I could probably, I could probably find room in here for a head. Yeah, oh, come on. There's always room for Pamela's Always head. room for severed head. Well, speaking of Derek Mears, you know, we've talked to all these uh, Friday the 13th alum about, did you know you were getting into something, you know, that was going to be so huge? Obviously, none of them did. Mears, on the other hand, knew what he was getting into. By 2009, uh, Friday the 13th was a phenomenon, and he was going to get to play Jason. So that was... A pretty amazing thing, right? I mean, it, it, how cool is it that that you're going to get to play this iconic character that you also grew up with? Because you know, at the time, he's probably in his 30s or whatever. So, I mean, he was right at the age to have loved all the Friday 13th movies. But in talking to him, we found out that you know he's just as big a dork as the rest of us. Take a listen. Yeah, yeah. I'm always saying if I'm not on this side of the table, I'm on the other side of the table. That I'm a fan representing the fans because I grew up, you know, loving so many iconic characters. I feel like I'm going through my toy chest, and now as an adult, I get to play those characters. It's very surreal to me. With Jason, for example, any any villain role that I ever play. The villain is never sees himself as a villain. What they're doing is right, and so it's justified. And having it's so wild. I, I play so many horrible characters, which is bizarre. My mom, before she passed away, anytime I book a job, I'm like, "Oh, mom, I'm working on this." Like, Do you die? Mom, here's my career. Either I die or I go to jail. That's what this mug does. I go, this is not going to win any beauty contests. I go, this is what I do. And she's like, okay, well, I just, uh, I saw your head get cut off in that one movie. And they didn't really, no, Mom, they didn't really do it. Because <laughs> I'm talking to you on the phone. I honestly feel like I'm a professional child. Like, people ask me, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, I don't, like, at my house, like, I don't have posters up or things that I do. I, I do have, like, a couple, like, I have, like, the, the hockey mask up on a wall. And, like, friends will come over and be like, wait, why, do you, why isn't it in a block, like, a boxer locked up? And I go, because like, you can't play with it. So when friends come over, go play with it, take pictures for your Facebook. 2009, he was Jason. He was going to be Jason. He was a big dork, uh, just like we are. Um, but that was not the case. And we did promise this in our promos. We talked to two Jasons and uh, our other Jason. Uh, the very first Jason, Ari Lehman, 
the little kid, I think he was 14 at the time. Uh, he's the little guy who jumps out in Friday the 13th part one, the, the scene where he pops out of the, uh, out of the lake, he drags Alice into the water or whatever. And he's, he is the very first Jason, uh, his band. He is in a band now called first Jason. And he was a great guy to talk to. He discussed how he got the role and then just how incredibly cool it was. I was 14 years old when I was in Friday the 13th, the summer of 1979. And it was really uh, a great lucky experience for me because I had been in one film before that, which was a comedy about a ragtag group of orphans who play soccer and win their orphanage back from the mob. It was called Manny's Orphans, and you've never heard of it unless you're like up way too late. But no one played soccer in 1979 in America, so this movie was going nowhere. And Sean Cunningham was presented with a dilemma. And the next summer, I got a call. Hey, Ari, we want you to come back to the set because we are doing another movie again. I was like, wow, cool, sure. You know, I guess this is what I'll do on, on summer. I'll do a movie that'll like never come out, but it'll be like, great. You know, and so this literally was my expectation. And he said, okay, oh, before you go, Ari, can you swim? I was like, yeah, I can swim. He's like, great, you got the part. And so I'm like, so literally if somebody else had picked up the phone, you know, if I hadn't picked up the phone, he would have called one of the other kids from Mandy's Orphans. And it was just because Noel Cunningham's mom, Sean's wife, she said, I don't want him doing that role. Um, recently, I've been at conventions. I was at Monsterpalooza in Los Angeles, and I had a, a nice line of wonderful fans who are so dedicated. And Sean said to me, gosh, maybe I should have let Noel do that role. <laughs> but, you know. Uh, I had so much fun doing it. The greatest thing for me was working with Tom Savini, the uh, effects, special effects maestro. Um, it was just a blast. It was very inspiring, you know, at that age, you know, because I was already into music and, and I was like into jazz piano and I was looking at that, but I was looking at the world of movies and stuff and I never thought like, wow, how creative, like Tom, just watching him work with Tasso Stavrakos, who is his uh, great assistant, who should be mentioned, who doesn't get enough credit, I think. I mean, although Tom deserves all the credit, but Tasso isn't around anymore. But the two of them were, it was like, they were like a comedy team, and they were like so much fun to be around, and they had these big mustaches, and that's why I now support a mustache. Although really? my dad had one too, but yeah, I was like, yeah, oh, I wanna be like those guys. And, and you know, it was just, they were, it was absolutely infectious. I mean, they just had so much fun. And so they had set up a studio in Connecticut because that's where Sean Cunningham um, had his office. So, and there was like dirt bikes and BB guns and, you know, and then severed heads and, and you know, decapitations and, you know, uh, all kinds of weapons and explosives devices everywhere. It's exactly what uh, a 14 year old kid loves. Tom and Tasso did this whole thing. It took about four months, the whole process. The sculpting, the molding, the casting, the entire thing, teeth and eyes and everything. And, but they never let me see the results. And then it was a barber chair. And I remember they had a mirror and they turned the barber chair around and left the studio. And it was just me and Jason and that was a very surreal moment. That was a moment it was like, man, uh, it's hard to explain when, 
you see yourself just totally transformed like that. So it did help me get into character enormously. All right, there is a word from the very first Jason. Uh, but we like Lehman. I think you're a hotter man, though, Alex, if I had to guess. What am I talking about? I already know this about you. You love some Kane Hodder. I do. I've never met him. It would be a dream to meet him. I think I would get starstruck if I met uh, uh, Kane Hodder. I wasn't starstruck. So you're just going to hand him a picture of himself and say, I love you? <laughs> and say, I love you. <laughs> and hopefully he'll say it back, and then I'll chase him to his hotel room. Um, Ew, dear God. No. Uh, should we get to another favorite kill from one of our, our wonderful listeners? Uh, sure. I mean, I think this will be crunchiest kill number four out of the many we received. We uh, picked Ben's, I believe, right? Crunchiest kill. It's another crunchy kill. Yes, this one comes from Ben. Ben, thank you for sharing your favorite kill with us. This one comes from uh, Jason Takes Manhattan. Uh, I believe that's part eight. Is that right? Uh, Yes, it is. And this is the one where Jason, isn't this taking place on a rooftop? Is that where this happens? Yeah, rooftop of a building. Julius is uh, like an amateur boxer. Uh, That's they, right. They've kind That's of made right. that out to be through the whole movie, you know, what a tough guy he is. But a nice guy, a sweet guy. And, man, he just goes at Jason in this. Like, just bam, 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 backing him up, backing him up, backing him up. You really think... He's got a shot. He has a chance. He's yeah, got he a, shot. a shot. Yeah, his, oh. his fists get all bloody. And uh, then he tells Jason to give him his best shot, I think he says. Give me your best shot. And then Jason does just that and knocks Julius's head clean the fuck off. Yeah. And, and not only does he knock his head off, but the great part is it rolls <laughs> down. And lands yeah. in a dumpster. Doesn't do the dumpster, dumpster lid close? The dumpster, I, if I remember correctly, yes. The dumpster lid slams shut. And I think, I mean, I'm sure he didn't, but I think Kane Hodder looks at the camera when the head is flying down. And maybe he doesn't, but because, you know, you can't really see their, his eyes, you know, most of the time. It's just those hollow eyes and the hockey mask. But uh, yeah, I always feel, and I, it's been a long time since I've seen this one, but it looks like he kind of breaks the fourth wall. I don't think purposely. I think he's looking to see if they got the shot. That's what I think. He, mm-hmm. he's think? Hit, yeah, I think he's hit the head off, and he's looking down to see if he's hit it in the right spot so they actually got the shot, but he looks. it looks like he looks directly at the camera. But uh, And I've also heard in this scene that uh, Kane Hodder, who is you know, a stuntman, a very accomplished stuntman, told the actor who played Julius to just really give it to him, hit him, just go at him. And I've also heard that the blood on his hands is legitimate because he was hitting that hockey mask so hard that he actually did make his hands bleed. But I have since, since I heard that I have looked at that before it, it looks like it does not look like he's actually bleeding to me. At least when you knock a head off in a movie, it, it can have the tendency to look pretty stupid, right? Usually it's a clean line cut or something. It's not ripping. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look super realistic. And, I mean, this had a little bit of that, but I thought it looked pretty good. I mean, it didn't look stupid when his head got knocked off. It looked pretty good, I thought. Yeah, I thought it actually happened. I thought that Kane Hodder <laughs> that was, hit the actor so that was hard it for that he accidentally guy. knocked his head off. Poor Julius. You know, he really Poor gave, it, Julius. gave his all for that role. <laughs> Uh, that was a great one, Ben. Thank you for sending that one. Uh, yes, thank you, Ben. You weren't the only one to send it, so to all the other folks that sent in uh, that kill, 
Thank you for picking it. We picked Ben's just because his email was hilarious. Or actually, he left a voicemail. His voicemail was hilarious. Which, by the way, uh, anyone who wants to call us, 419-77-SLASH. That's 419-77-SLASH. Tell us anything you want to. Doesn't matter. Tell us we suck. You can tell us we rock. You can tell us something you want us to do. We just like hearing from you guys. It's pretty cool. Um, So, Micah, we've talked about everyone's crunchiest kills. I want to know yours. And there's so many to pick from. Surely, surely you have not picked mine. You know, I I love the bacon kill. Uh, That's a great one. Uh, Obviously, the machete is fantastic. The uh, Julius getting his head knocked off. I got to know, though, are there rules? Because probably my favorite, most crunchiest kill... Crunchiest kill. Is when Jason gets killed by Corey Feldman. Oh, no, that's a great one. That's a great one. Come on, they finally demask him. They just, what was it, a machete that goes like right through his face, just down through his head, and then he falls on it and slides down the machete ever so slowly. That is a brutal and just wonderful kill. Crunchiest kill. If we're talking favorite Jason kills, like where Jason actually gets killed, I mean, there are some good ones. Um, but I love, I think my favorite would be from probably my least favorite movie, and that would be uh, Jason Goes to Hell. The opening is phenomenal. Like the entire opening sequence of Jason Goes to Hell is so good. He's, you know, cornered this uh, young lady who's running from him, and as it ends up, it's just a trap. Uh, it's a trap. That's a Star Wars reference. She, like, lures him into a field where all these lights pop on, all these army men and stuff just start laying into him and just gunning him down with everything they got, and then they blow him up into pieces. His head flies out. His heart's left beating on the ground. I think that's my favorite Jason kill, but I love that whole open. I hate the rest of the movie. All the kills... That from all the series, the one I think that probably stands out to me the most comes from part three. There are a couple uh, in part three that I like uh, quite a bit. Uh, Part three, not my favorite movie, but I like it quite a bit. Um, But Andy, if you'll remember in part three, Andy's the guy that he does the juggling. Part three is the 3D one. So they're constantly doing 3D gags and gimmicks to make things come at the screen, you know, come at the at the camera lens so you can see it in 3D. So he juggles. He's that guy for that uh, one juggling scene uh, that comes to the camera. Uh, he also, like, walks on his hands through a hole. Oh, yeah, yeah, Remember yeah, that yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh-huh. that's his big thing. And so after he sleeps with his girlfriend, I believe Debbie, uh, he is walking on his hands, coming out of the bedroom, going down the hallway, and then Jason meets him halfway. Crunchiest kill. And then chops him in half through his crotch. And that is my favorite kill of the series. But I do want to talk about some uh, honorable mentions. Because a lot of people uh, a lot of people called, a lot of people wrote. And, I want to guess at what one of them is. Is it okay. going to be the one where the kid gets folded up in the bed? Uh, yes, absolutely. His yes, name. That's a good one. His name was Trey. He was a son oh, of a Trey. bitch. This is from Freddy versus Jason. 
and you weren't sad when Trey died at all because he was a douchebag. <laughs> and it's not actually that's not actually how he dies. He gets stabbed like a thousand times with a machete through the bed. Like Jason's on top oh, of him, yeah, and stabbing brutal. him and stabbing him and stabbing that's him. That's probably one of the most brutal yeah. kills. But then when he finishes, he also just folds the bed in half. Because, you know, why not? Um, Face down. Oh, his back breaks. It's, it's nice. It's new nice. new beginning has a great one. It's the one I mentioned earlier with the... the they He wraps the belt. I think it's her belt around her head and a tree. Or his yep. belt, rather. And then just twists with a stick as the belt yeah, like, yeah, yeah. goes into her head. That's a fantastic one. Um, Jason Goes to Hell has a good one, but... I just I, it's hard for me to say that that's a good Jason kill because Jason doesn't do the killing in Jason goes to hell. Remember his his soul inhabits other people. That's where uh, Debbie, which by the way I noticed in looking at these kills, everybody's like, "In Debbie in this one, and Debbie in that one." Debbie apparently is a pretty common name in Friday Thirteenth. She's in New Beginning. She's in Jason Goes to Hell. She's in part three. It's not the same Debbie. It's just a character named Debbie. They just kept picking that. I don't know why. But anyway, Debbie, uh, it is a good kill. It is from Jason Goes to Hell, and Debbie is riding her boyfriend inside the tent, and Jason takes like a like a metal signpost that, you know, like a fence post kind of thing, like a metal post, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, chops her in half while she's riding him. I mean, like splits her down the middle. So that's pretty cool. That was a really good one. And then there was one guy in part six, and and somebody uh, sent this one in, and I couldn't remember the character's name, and I was a little embarrassed because six is my favorite. But he's out in the woods fighting with Jason. I couldn't recognize, like in my memory, I can't recognize what the character is. But he also gets folded backwards. Not in a bed. Jason just gets up and folds him backwards in half. And and so those are my honorable mention kills. If you want to talk about how many kills we have of the series, overall, what I was able to discern, there are 206 kills in the entire Friday series. Jason obviously not being responsible for all of those because sometimes mm-hmm. it was his mother and then sometimes it was Roy, Roy Burns. Mm-hmm. Fake Jason. Wait, the ambulance driver? The ambulance driver. Oh, my God. So we can't attribute those to Jason. So if we do... Hold on. Uh-huh. Before you, before you say the number, okay. take a pause because I'm going to give you a, a grum roll. Oh, give me a grum roll, please. How many kills did Jason have? <laughs> oh, it's nice to be on the receiving end of a grum roll for once. <laughs> By my count, Jason has killed 161 people over the course of these movies. How about that? Ah, ah, ah. That is a lot of kills. (laughs) Have you been been waiting to exclaim that? So that's it, uh, folks. This was uh, a lot of fun. I wish we had time to put more prep into it. Uh, Friday 13th kind of snuck up on us, and we had another episode to record before this. Um, So, you know, maybe we can revisit the Friday the 13th universe uh, at some point. I mean, we've never reviewed one of their movies to date. Yeah. And we certainly didn't do that here. We just went through some kills. I'd love to do... uh, even my least favorite uh, Friday 13th movie because I love them. 
Well, we've got time to do it. I just checked uh, the calendar, and the next Friday the 13th is going to be January of 2023. So All right. uh, you'll have to come here, or I'll have to go there, and we have, we'll just have a marathon and watch all of them. That will be a blast. And this was a blast. Thank you so much uh, for, you know, I guess I, I have to say you did this for me because you know I love the series. I know you do, and I love you. What you love, I love. <laughs> I, I know that. I love it because you love it. Oh, I love you. Uh, so <laughs> don't forget, guys, if you're listening to this, uh, just head over to our Instagram page. Please like, follow, review, do all those things. The best thing you can do for us is tell your friends about our podcast. You tell your friends, they tell two friends, they tell two friends, they tell two friends. All of a sudden, we're a phenomenon. Who knew it could be such a thing? But, uh, yeah, listen, uh, you know, take note of what you heard here because Mike is going to be asking a question starting today, the day that this drops, uh, Wednesday, the 11th. Uh, and then he's going to ask you another question on the 12th, another on the 13th. You only have to answer one question right to win. You'll be entered in the drawing with all the right uh, answers. We will draw those names. You will win a prize. And then on Friday, we will draw for the grand prize from those winners. So pretty exciting stuff. All right. So that's been the Friday the 13th special, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Please uh, see us on Instagram. Micah, uh, we don't even have to do the thing where we talk about how much we love each other because you know I love you. And uh, I think we're just going to use a bunch of Friday 13th music here. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, This has been Slasher. I hardly know her. The Friday 13th Spectacular. We will do it again in January, I think. I think we've we've settled on it. That's got to happen. One solid week of watching Friday 13th movies. So we can sit and discuss them all. My God, these episodes are long. Think how long that one's going to be. <laughs> all right. Be long. All right. Have a great couple of weeks, everybody. We will see you in two. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah. I mean, come on. He totally says. He doesn't say kick kick him ma ma ma. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't sound anything like it doesn't that. Sound anything I don't like believe that. it. I think it's bullshit. You know, people yeah. correct you on that. People are like, oh, actually, it's this. It's like, but is that what you hear? I call horse shit. He's back.